0: to More Than A Few Words, a marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, along with Allison... Hey, everybody. We have Carolyn Baumgartner on... Baumgarten on... I always screw up names. You'll get (laughs) used to be Carolyn. Um, We have Carolyn Baumgarten on the phone with us, and Carolyn is um, a, a classmate of Allison's. Um, But she's also got this really cool job. And so rather than me doing the intro, Carolyn, why don't you tell folks what it is you actually get paid to do these days?
1: So I get to be the voice behind um, Shark Tank ABC. It's a fan-created Twitter account which follows the hit ABC TV show Shark Tank where entrepreneurs go before the sharks basically asking for a financial investment in their
0: company. So we are, I mean, we're so excited to have you kind of from two different perspectives. So on the one hand, there's the whole social media and TV, and on the other hand, um, the kind of lessons for entrepreneurs, both of which are near and dear to our heart. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about both today. And so if you're listening, if you've got questions and you want to call in, um, please use 805-285-9865. And if you'd rather engage on Twitter, be sure to use the hashtag, pound, MTFW. Okay, so let's start with some basics. Um, An episode goes on the air. Um, What kind of planning do you do before the show to sort of line up the kind of things you're going to be tweeting about?
1: Well, my boss, Andrew, has actually been really great. So he's usually the one that um, sometime around like 5 or 6 o'clock the show goes live at Well, it goes on at 7 o'clock Chicago time, and he'll send me a list of who's going to be on the show that day with a little bit of, like, some pre-written tweets just to introduce them, and so I know their Twitter hashtag. And then um, we also do run advertisements during the show, but other than that, everything's on the fly. I pretty much – I watch it as it happens just like everyone else in America, so – it's new to me too.
2: <laughs> and do you do you think that's better that you get to be surprised along with the viewers?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it I think um the fact that I'm watching along with them rather than rather than me knowing what's going to happen makes a big difference in my ability to be spontaneous and to be interactive and to not seem forced.
0: And um uh do just do, sometimes does it get away from you like where there's there's so much happening, is it hard to keep up with when it's just one person doing the tweeting? Uh every single time I do it
1: that definitely happens. Um I mean we just crashed uh we just crossed the thirteen thousand follower mark and Obviously, not all 13,000 are tweeting with me when the show is on, but enough of them are that I feel like I need an extra brain and about three more sets of hands if I really wanted to be able to talk to everyone.
0: So, um, what advice do you have for um, because you know a lot of what you're doing is is okay, so it's television, but it'd be very similar to someone who was trying to manage a Twitter stream at a conference with a thousand people or. Um, you know some kind of other ongoing program what advice do you have for somebody who's sitting in your chair trying to manage the Twitter stream for some type of an event
1: well I think for me the the hard part and the part that I'm getting better and better at as time goes on is trying to monitor the content from a couple different areas I First of all, I'm watching the show, so I, I have to watch it and take that in. So I'm kind of trying to give a little bit of a play-by-play, but we do get some sometimes angry West Coast viewers who are saying, don't spoil it for us. But I try to be very, very conscientious of not actually tweeting who gets a deal and who doesn't get a deal. I'll tweet up until that point, and I'll even tweet what the offers were, but I'm very conscientious of not saying whether the deal was made or not.
0: So, so no spoilers on the back end. Um, how do you decide um, what to talk about, you know, and, and uh, you know, because there's so much that goes on in in, in that uh, program.
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, so like I said, I try to do a little bit of a play-by-play just in case, you know, someone missed what the offer was or someone missed like a funny line, one-liner from Kevin O'Leary, which happens all the time. Um, I try to do more so, though, I try to talk back to people who are saying something to me. So if they have a question, if they if I think they say something really insightful, I'll retweet it. Or if I think they say something funny, I'll respond back to them. And what, what we've been pushing to do even more so lately is to try to reel in people who are tweeting with the Shark Tank hashtag,
0: but who aren't necessarily tweeting to us. Mm. So they're, they're talking about the program, but it's not really directed at you, but you want to kind of engage them in the conversation too.
1: Yes, Sam, That's exactly what I've been
0: trying to do lately. So
1: um, I've really been, I've been using Hootsuite, which has been really helpful in monitoring who's talking about the hashtag. so I can try and reel them into the conversation if they're, if they're a big follower and they want to talk to other people.
2: So kind of big picture, what do your bosses – at, at ABC, what are they hoping to accomplish with with this social media program? What metrics are they looking at to measure success? Do you know? Well, I, uh, I actually don't work for
1: ABC. I work for um it's a fan run and owned blog. Interesting. So um, yeah my so it, it's not official by ABC. Um, ABC does have an official Shark Tank Twitter, um but uh, they don't live tweet the show, so um, as far as as far as what we're doing goes, it's really it's it's always been about it being a fan based effort and us just you know trying to engage the fans and allow them an outlet to kind of take their fandom one level deeper than just watching the show at home with some popcorn on a Friday night.
0: Cool. So really, um, you know, whether you're a conference organizer or a conference attendee. Um, those same strategies can work because I think that's the thing I love about social media is this idea that it's not a top-down effort, you know, that the news doesn't come from the big news stations anymore, that the TV program, which is the foundation of your your activity, is created by ABC, but the content and the conversation is really created by people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we have some really amazing followers who tweet at me every single week, uh, people who watch the show in their families and they're using it to teach their kids business lessons. Um, we occasionally get professors who use it as a teaching tool for their students. Um, we have tons of entrepreneurs and small business owners who watch the show who who um, use it to gain lessons for their own life and for their own career and for their own pitches. So it's definitely a lot of diverse viewership, but they all have really interesting input for me to say, and for the most part, it's almost always positive.
0: Cool. Okay, so, you know, you live tweet during the show, and there's a lot going on with that, but what do you do in between? I mean, do you do things to maintain the momentum and interaction, or is it really just a spike during the show and quiet all the rest of the time?
1: No, um, well, after the shows, on, so the shows on Friday night, and on Saturdays I actually post a recap of the show, and we get really interesting comment discussions going because um, as all good TV does, it, it's very polarizing. So people either tend to love or hate the contestants who are on the show. For example, last week there was a guy on the show who invented this tech vest that can hold all of your technology, and you can run a headphone cord through the vest, so you can wear the headphones from inside your jacket. Um, this guy, his idea is a multi-million dollar idea. He makes a ton of money off of his retail company for it. But he only wanted to sell the sharks his patent or part of his patent. So not the actual retail business, the multi-million dollar business. People, people loved this guy because they thought he was brilliant for actually kind of dumping the sharks and not giving in to what they wanted. But people also hated him. They said he was a jerk. They thought he only went on the show for publicity. So so we got a lot of interesting discussion going about that, both as it was happening real time on the show, but also if you look at com under my episode recap, you can see people, almost every comment is about this guy and what they thought about him.
0: Um, okay, so if people want to, before I get too far along, if people want to find your recap, um What's the web address so they can sort of check in after the, uh, the show? The website is InTheSharkTank.com. InTheSharkTank.com. Great. Yep. Okay, so you, you were talking about this guy and, and sort of people loved him or hated him. So let's switch over and talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, and we can always drift back to social media. What are some of the other um, more interesting or funny ideas that you've um, uh, sort of seen as you've been working with the program? (laughs) Um, Probably the one
1: that sticks out in my head is, uh, well, this one, okay, I personally find it slightly ridiculous, and I think the Sharks did too. This guy went on the show, and I can't remember his name, but his concept was an idea called The Rocks spelled T-H-R-O-X. And basically, the concept was is that when you have a pair of socks, you always lose one. I don't know, the washer eats it, it goes to Narnia, something like that. So this guy wanted to sell socks in sets of three instead of two, hence
0: rocks. <laughs> I love it! I, I, I actually really love that idea. It's crazy, <laughs> but um, uh, But, yeah, I'm always, I I always, uh, I have more single socks. You know what? Let's take that uh, one step further. I want somebody to sell earrings in three. (laughs) Right? Yes, that would be really handy. I mean, really, how many pairs of earrings do you have where you've lost one or broken one?
1: I'm going to get weepy and nostalgic if I think about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're off a little bit. i um, a little far, but I love, I love that. I love, that's one of the things I think that I find fascinating about the show is um, when you watch, there's always this either, wow, I would never have thought of that, or, you know, I've always thought about that and never thought of doing anything with that. Exactly, and I think some of the best ideas are the ones that they're so
1: intuitive once you think about them, and you're like, how did I not think of that? There was a there was a stay at home dad on the show and I can't remember his name but he made something called the the clean sweep or the sweep away something like that. Basically, it was a broom that also had like a little paddle on the end so you could scrape up little caked on mishmash that ends up on your floor. It was brilliant. The sharks loved that idea. They wanted to give him more than what he asked for because they knew it was a multi million dollar idea and it's something that. How, how did I not think of that? That happens to me every time I oh, break all, all out of the room. Time you
0: sleep and then there's something stuck and then you have to find something else to scrape it up and then you have to sleep again and, yeah, that exactly. is brilliant. So um, uh, on some of these, uh, and, and I know that this is a relatively new job for you, but have you seen or heard about any of the people that have come through after the program, after they got whatever they were looking for? Um, what's happened to some of them? Are there any great success stories coming out of the show? Yes, absolutely. And what's good is
1: that as the show's entering, well, the show's in the midst of its third season right now, so they have some really good recaps from past, past contestants. And what's really interesting is that they do recaps from contestants who did make a deal and from those who didn't as well. So, for example, this past week they showed a recap of a woman, and she owns this company called Daisy Cakes, and She's this southern belle, and she's so cute, and you just want to love her, and you want her to bake you a cake because they look really good. Um, She has turned her business from, like, $3,000 a month business to $100,000 a month business from the show,
0: from making a deal. My God. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah we actually had, and I, I don't think he made it past the first uh, interview, but we actually talked to um, a company here that um, had hoped that he would um, end up on the show. And, you know, one of the questions that we had for him, and I think this is probably, you know, what was the differentiator, why he maybe didn't get any further, was, you know, really, what are you going to do with the money and, and, you know, if you get that big, how are you going to manage the business? I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs wrestle with is, um, you know, what do you do if the growth doesn't come, but, oh, my God, what do you do if it does? Yeah. You know, the woman whose business scaled up. She was lucky that she had the ability to grow with it.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think that's something that we consistently see contestants wrestling with when they're actually doing the interview with the Sharks is that, is that a lot of these people are you know stay at home mom and dad who never had exposure to working for a huge business like this, so what do you do when your business goes from whatever you can actually afford to put into it to you just got a hundred thousand dollar investment? Where do you put the money first? who controls where the money goes like do you hire employees? How do you do that? they're going from 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 an idea from a concept to an actual business if they make an if they make a
2: deal and so That's that's a huge challenge for them, I'm sure. And I think that one of the other things that we consistently see contestants wrestling with and something that this person that we worked with wrestled with as well is someone is going to own a piece of your business if you accept this deal. It's no longer your baby. Now you have to take advice from a huge corporation, someone who's purely in it, to make a profit. And so then what happens to this thing that you've loved and nurtured and and, and sweated and bled for all these years?
1: Right, and and the more I've gotten into the show, the more I really feel for the contestants on things like that, because there are times where I do think that sometimes contestants, yeah, they're getting a big financial investment, but this is their baby, and so sometimes I think that they're giving up a little bit more than they bargained for, and, and obviously the show only highlights the positive outcomes of these types of things, but but. I would hope that all of them end up at least content in whatever happens, even if it means they gave up, you know, 20% more of their business than they had intended on giving up.
0: You know, um, it's not called, um, you know, the giant hug. It is called in the shark <laughs> That's and true. I have to reconcile It's not that. a basket of fluffy puppies. I think that, um, you know, I think the judges are – um, I think they're they're tough on the contestants and I think um, I think they drive they do drive hard bargains and I think that is um, a really strong message. We do a, a lot of work with startups. I'm, I'm involved in the startup community here and there are a lot of people that go into business thinking that you know what they really want to do is bundle it for sale and you know the question and, and I think there are two different kinds of businesses ones that you grow because you love it and you want to do it, and others that you you grow because it's a great idea but you want to sell it. And I think you got to know which you've got before you sit down, whether on a show like this or just in general with an investor.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and and that's something that I think is really valuable for entrepreneurs to take away, especially if they're at the point in their business plan where they're looking for investments. It, you kind of have to know when to stand your ground and when it's time to just say, you know, this was my – Three hundred thousand dollar idea. I'm not going to get royalties, but I just made three hundred grand for a brilliant idea that I had. and And we had a guy on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I I don't even remember what his idea was, but I remember the bidding for it started out at four six hundred thousand dollars, or I think it was six hundred thousand dollars. And and the sharks, I think it was Mark Cuban, said you need to make a deal now. Are the offers going down? And the guy, the guy, I mean, he's he's not a extremely business savvy person. So how can you make a six hundred thousand dollar decision on the spot like that? Um, They weren't offering him royalties for the product. So so he waited a couple moments. He hesitated, and they're like, Nope, our offers down to four hundred thousand dollars. And just like that, he blew two hundred grand. And and you feel bad for the guy because. That money in anyone's life would make a huge difference, but for the Sharks, you know, it's just an investment in a product, and, and they're all multimillionaires, so for them, it's pennies
2: in a bucket. But Well, how much of that do you think is just for made for TV? How much do you think is just drama? Actually, I, now that I'm
1: thinking about it, I remember the product, and I believe I saw that this guy, it was called the Wine Balloon. I believe he tweeted after the fact that the deal didn't end up going through, That because of the way the contracting works or something like that, he ended up not accepting the deal. Mm. So, so some of it might be just made for TV. Yeah,
0: I, well, you know, it, it's sort of like um, uh, on any of the reality shows, I think there is a mixture of, you know, genuine emotion and, and, and genuine drama um, and a little of the made for TV. I think, um, I think they, they they strike a good balance, though, because I think you do get a chance to – to see, maybe you know, maybe the whole you've got to decide in ten minutes is artificial. But I think the reality of you know, here's the offer, and it, it's not going to be on the table forever. And um, if you make a pitch, you have to be prepared to accept it or walk away. Right, that's true. I just think, um, at
1: least from my personal standpoint, and I try really hard not to reflect this in the account because I don't want to alienate people based on what I personally think. I think sometimes those sharp the Sharks impose these time limits on the contestants, knowing that because they're not incredibly business savvy, MBA-holding multi-millionaires, they'll give in to them. And so it does make me feel a little bit that sometimes, even though
2: a lot of times it does work out for the, for the contestant. Now, how important do you think that it is that these uh, contestants, I don't know the right word for them, contestants, inventors, uh, business owners... When they go in in front of the sharks, how important is it that they have a really kick-butt business plan?
1: Um, I can't even possibly emphasize how important it is because these sharks know what they're doing. So they know the questions to ask that are going to throw them off their game, even if they seem like they're on their game. They know how to ask them, what's your marketing plan? What are your costs? Where are you out? Where is your labor being? Like, where, where, um. Where's your product being manufactured? How can we drive down your labor costs and things like that? So, so you better know your plan inside and out because if you don't have the answers, the sharks can be out in the snap of a finger.
0: You know, I, um, uh, I have always advocated for how important it is for all of our clients So for any business owner to have a plan. Um, we actually have a free outline people can download from the website and I'm going to go ahead and post it um, on the link to the blog post that will go with it. Um, and over the years, I've kind of changed my mind in terms of how formal the plan has to be, but I think you've got to know the answer to the key questions. I think you yeah. have to know, um, you know, what will you do if? Um, let, let me ask you, kind of switching gears back, because we've got just a few more minutes. Um, do, uh, as you're talking to the fans on Twitter, do you find them – Rooting for one person or another. Do I? am sorry. Do I find them what? Them rooting, cheering for. Uh oh, definitely. And and you get people
1: on both sides of the fence. Usually, you get people who say this idea is brilliant. I'm going to go buy it, whether they make a deal or not. And you get people who say this idea is stupid. I can't even believe they let this person come on the show. And and obviously in the in the attempt to make good TV. They have a little bit of both on the show, but um, it's fun to see what fans have to say and why they think the idea is a good idea or how they think maybe the idea could be improved to be slightly better. So we get some really extremely insightful comments from the viewers of the show when I'm tweeting, and that's my favorite part about the job.
0: Well, I think that, you know, and that's the thing with social media is that, you have the ability to um, engage people in a conversation. I mean, that would never be in a room together, but really, um, you know, the the ability to kind of cross, you know, to, to talk to people all over the world um, and and kind of grow from those ideas is awesome. Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely, and and we've seen some really awesome growth on the Shark Tank Twitter this this. Um, season, which is so impressive to me that so many people want to talk about the show because they're using it as more than like a reality-type contest program. They're using it as something to educate themselves and to talk to other people about, and it's a real conversation starter for people who want to learn more about entrepreneurship and, and owning your own small business. So I, I'm always impressed by that.
2: And we're only going to see this trend increase. I think, that, I think that, what is it, more than half of all people now, whenever they watch TV, have a second screen of some kind in front of them, whether that's their laptop or, or a smartphone, so that they can interact with, um, with both other fans as well as even with the cast and crew. Some of my favorite shows, for instance, um, I'm a total geek and really love Once Upon a Time, um, which is also on ABC, and a lot of times they'll have their cast, crew, writers, producers, live-tweeting during the episode, giving behind-the-scenes info. Um, Do any, I know that you aren't with ABC proper, but do Mark Cuban or any of the other sharks ever get involved with that kind of activity that you've seen?
1: Yeah, they are. Actually, recently a lot of the sharks have been live-tweeting the show with us, and obviously they know what happened, but we've gotten some good interaction going with um, Damon John, who's the owner of FUBU, and we also were talking a bit with... um, Lori Grenier, who is like the queen of QBC, and she was on the show guest starring on it for the last three episodes. So we have had some really good interaction with them, and I know they've had great interaction with the fans as well, and not necessarily in tandem, but it was fun that we were all on the, at the same time talking about the
2: show. It's really cool, actually, how accessible social media is making these people you never would have known about before. Um, another show that I love is The Vampire Diaries. Which everyone can free to make a spot of me for that. But I saw one of the editors of the show and she tweeted an an interview that she'd done and I read it and tweeted her back and told her how fascinating it was and how I'd really loved that episode that she'd cut and she tweeted me right back and said, Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it and that it gave you a better idea and giving you a little bit more insight. So these people that well, we never even really knew before are really now getting into the spotlight and interacting with the fans on their own. I think that's so cool. Yeah, no, I love that too and and,
1: obviously, I'm tweeting with, you know, however many of the 13,000 followers we have who choose to watch the show, but I still I still feel a little fangirl when Damon and John
0: tweets at me. I'm
1: like, oh, my God, he's not the <laughs>
0: <laughs> So you can still be a fan even. I, I mean, I, you know what? I don't think you ever lose that. I, I think um, no matter who you are, there are always people who you kind of have as celebrities, and when they tweet back or acknowledge you or comment social media is about ego and it's hard not to get excited when you get noticed of course of course so i'm not afraid to admit it (laughs) awesome well we are just about out of time um allison last question anything else from the stream that you saw that you want
2: to ask no not a whole lot of questions there but what's the weirdest thing that has happened to you as a result of doing this gig. The strangest tweet you've seen, the weirdest situation you've gotten into, what has been surprising and strange?
1: Um, oh, my gosh, I don't even know. Um, I I ended up getting an internship at another job from tweeting for Shark Tank, actually. <laughs> that was a couple months ago. Um, something strange. I guess, ah, wow. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I didn't mean know. to put so you on the spot. I guess some of the, some of the people who support the really weird ideas or have an even weirder idea that always kind of throws me for a loop because you know there's room in this world for for a lot of different products but I don't necessarily know that every product's going to be successful.
0: Yeah no, um the, all you have to do is look at the patent the applications at the patent office to know how many are not going to be successful. Um I really wanna thank you um for taking the time to do this. Um for those of you, you know, one one of the cool things about doing the show is we can talk to people anywhere and I think when we called you you were riding on a bus and jumped off to hop into a coffee shop. <laughs> yes yes I did. <laughs> so we're really we're really excited that you did. And again, if people want to follow you on Friday night, the Twitter handle is It's Shark Tank A B C Awesome. And the web address to, to read your summaries the next day? That is inthesharktank.com. Fabulous. Carol, thank you
2: again so, so very much. Um, Allison, you want to say goodbye? Bye, Carol. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, congratulations on your new day job. Do you want to get in a quick plug for what you're doing uh, when you're not tweeting about sharks?
1: Um, I'm working as a social media community manager at Plan B, the agency alternative in downtown Chicago, so I'm loving it.
0: (laughs) Fabulous. Congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. you Thank you. If you have enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to learn more about marketing, networking, or social media, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz.